श्री गुरो श्रीयुता पदकमलम श्री गुरून वैष्णवश्च श्रीरूपाग्रजाता सहागनरघुनाथ सजीव साइथम सवधूत पिजन सहित कृष्ण चैतन्यव श्रीराधकृष्णपादागनलिता श्री विशाखानुतमज्ञनातिरंदशलाकय ृंदाश्वरी प्रणमामि हरि प्रिय जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्यनंद श्री अद्वैतगढ़ श्रीवासरी श्री गौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे हरेर्नाम 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 केवल कलो नास्त्येव 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 वेलकम एवरीवन वेलकम कृष्ण जीवनी गौरनारायण गुरुनिष्ठ राधमाधवा पद्मनाभ महाराज मलेरिया राजाग्नि एंड एनीबडी एल्स हु इज हियर नाइस टू सी ऑल ऑफ यू ब्यूटीफुल डिवोटीज all of you glorious devotees like to love chandra ses today by the grace of our shri pad padmanabh maharaj and uh, guru maharaj uh, i'm beginning a new series at first i told padmanabh maharaj that that uh, i don't want to give another series immediately after the first one and he said yes and then about uh, a day or so afterwards he asked me that what about this series and uh, he suggested the idea and he said uh, in a very smart way that guru maharaj has approved this idea so after that there wasn't much for me to to do but say okay so uh, uh, in this short series of four parts i'm going to speak about uh, uh, the art of giving uh, class or speaking krishna katha in our gaudiya vaishnava uh, tradition and my plan is to divide up this uh, seminar into into four parts the first part today being about uh, the philosophy and the theology of speaking krishna katha then the second part will be uh, the the form and the traditional uh, ways in which to to speak krishna katha kind of the the etiquette of of giving class you could say the third part will be on uh, rhetorics and tips uh, advice how to give class and the fourth part will be practice so for the fourth part uh, i will we, i will get back to that later but but i want to have some volunteers who will give uh, classes of about 5 uh, or 10 minutes and i will come back to why this last thing uh, later on today so speaking krishna katha what can we say about that from a, a philosophical point of view as gaudiya vaishnavas our uh, epistemology or our way of uh, uh, knowing things is based on uh, shruti or or sacred sound sacred sound receiving knowledge through uh, the revelation of sound 
we learn everything we learn through Shrauta Parampara. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati liked this term very much, Shrauta Parampara, or the descent of Shruti or, or the heard sound. And out of all of these sacred sounds that we take in and that we learn from and that we grow through, there's one particular form of revelation that forms the very core of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. If I would ask, uh, let's say, uh, Carolina, what would you say is the most important holy texts for Gaudiya, holy text for Gaudiya Vaishnavas? Srimad Bhagavatam. Yes, correct. Srimad Bhagavatam Purana Mamalam and Srimad Bhagavatam Pramana Mamalam. That's how Srinatha Chakravarti puts it in, in his uh, kind of Gaudiya Vaishnava catechism when he's, he's in one verse describing everything that is important in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He says that Srimad Bhagavatam is the spotless Pramana or the spotless source of knowledge. So whenever we as Gaudiya Vaishnavas want to find out something, whenever we want to learn something, really on whatever topic it is, it makes much sense to first turn to the Srimad Bhagavatam. So what does the Srimad Bhagavatam say about speaking Krishna Katha? Uh, by the way, I also want to, to welcome some of newcomers, Sargrahi, uh, Hari Priya, Kopinata Acharya, and uh, somebody who's called in on a number, welcome. And Govinda Dasi as well, welcome. So what does Srimad Bhagavatam uh, say about speaking Krishna Katha? Of course, many, many things. This is one of the wonderful things about our Srimad Bhagavatam, that it's such a huge and such, such a, uh, a varied and rich scripture. But I always like to approach uh, these kind of topics through the exemplary persons of the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Srimad Bhagavatam teaches very much philosophy, but many times the Srimad Bhagavatam teaches us through persons. And we have, of course, uh, exemplary speakers of Krishna Katha in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The very embodiment of Kirtana or glorifying the Lord is of course Shukadeva. There's a famous verse, uh, Rupa Goswami includes it in his Padyavali, which gives examples of the ninefold processes of, of bhakti, example persons for each. The example of Shravanam is Parikshit, of listening, of hearing. And the example of Kirtana is Shukadeva. But the very first speaker of the Srimad Bhagavatam, if we read the book from the beginning, isn't Shukadeva. The Srimad Bhagavatam, after its invocator, invocatory uh, three verses, takes us back to Naimisharanya. Once upon a time in the forest of Naimisha, all the sages had gathered for a thousand year sacrifice. But they were sitting there and they were offering and uh, most of what they were getting from the sacrifice was that they got black from the smoke. So they approached the first of all the sages, Suta, Suta Goswami. And they put questions to him. And you remember when you were reading the Srimad Bhagavatam, how does Sutta Goswami begin his reply? It's very pertinent for our topic today. The sages led by Shaunaka, they place several questions to Sutta. And he begins by glorifying his guru. Yam prabrajanda manu petam apetakrityam dvaipayano virahakatara ajuhava and so on. Two beautiful verses. He speaks about uh, the son of Vyasadeva, uh, Shukadeva. 
and how he was self-realized from birth. Uh, when he left home and Vyasa called after him, only the trees replied, only the echo replied. So probably you remember these verses, beautiful verses. And they show something very important here. When speaking Krishna Katha, just like Sutta Goswami, uh, we have to begin by hearing. This is, a, <laughs> of course, a kind of matter-of-fact and simple thing that we can't speak about without uh, having heard. But it's the first kind of philosophical point that I want to make today, and it's an important one. We learn to uh, speak Krishna Kata by listening. In every way, uh, somebody said in, uh, in uh, some discussion somewhere on Facebook that I really like how Brigupada is uh, welcoming everybody individually. Is this something I made up in my huge uh, uh, intellect? Of course not. It's something I picked up from the wisdom of the sages. You are breaking up, Briku. More uh, profound level, we learn by hearing in the sense that whatever uh, we speak about Krishna is something that has been spoken to us. Whatever we speak, uh, we have heard before, and we can't really say anything that we haven't heard. One of the things I did when preparing for this lecture was to see uh, what things Shila Prabhupada had said about uh, giving class, about speaking Krishna Katha. And one of the things that he emphasized was you should never uh, make up anything. You should repeat word by word what the previous acharyas have said. What does this mean? It can be understood as uh, memorizing exactly uh, a talk given by uh, Guru Maharaj or Prabhupada and then just repeating it exactly the same way. Uh, perhaps trying to imp imitate Prabhupada's accent or Guru Maharaj's way of talking, using the same kind of, of uh, language, uh, the same kind of expressions. And that can be good. But uh, it's not useful in the long run. Because however much I want to try to imitate Guru Maharaj, I will never become Guru Maharaj. Guru Maharaj is Guru Maharaj. And if, if I try to imitate him, I will just look like an idiot. So when Prabhupada says that uh, we should repeat whatever we have heard, of course, he's not saying that we can't say anything with our own words. There wouldn't be any point in that then. Then we could just play the recorded lectures of Shla Prabhupada and so on. But he means that we should pass on uh, the teachings that we have re received. And this is the example that Sutta Goswami gives there right at the beginning of the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the beginning of the, the second chapter of the first canto. Uh, not all speakers in the Srimad Bhagavatam do uh, speak in the same way, but they all illustrate something. When we move forward a little bit in the story of the Srimad Bhagavatam to the first chapter of the second canto, where Shukadev, the main speaker of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the, the person who embodies Krishna Kirtana, when he starts speaking, he speaks in a different way. He does not be, begin with uh, Mangala Charana, with uh, uh, glorificatory words like Sutta did. He just begins speaking immediately, immediately answering the question of Parikshit. What should a human being do who is about to die? He immediately goes into the topic. 
But what's the background of Shukadev Goswami? We can compare Shukadev's speaking to the speaking of Jarabharata in the fifth canto. Probably you remember Jarabharata after Bharat Maharaj, uh, uh, having reached Bhava Bhakti because of, of Aparad, uh, fell down and had to, to be born again as a deer. Then, after that deer life, uh, he became uh, Jada or, or, or Dham Bharata, the Bharata who, who, who doesn't speak and who pretended to be uh, an idiot. He, he was this big guy with a huge body and he pretended to be uh, stupid and ignorant so that everybody would leave him in peace. So he didn't speak at all. He didn't speak a word. Maybe just some, oh, oh, something like this. But then when he was forced to carry King Rahugana's uh, palanquin and King Rahugana uh, got upset with him because he was walking in such an irregular way in order not to step on ants, ants. He realized that this king is influenced by Rajas and Tamas, but he's actually a good person. So he hadn't been speaking for his whole life. But when Rahugana started speaking to him, he replied and he started speaking Krishna Katha immediately. Just like Shukadev Goswami does. And with Shukadev Goswami, of course, it was the same. Before Parikshit placed his question to him, he was also wandering around the world, like pretending to be a madman. We hear in the Srimad Bhagavatam how kids would surround him and throw stones on him and fart in his face and so on. But he would just be completely oblivious of anything. And then... When the king asks him the, question, asks him the question, he starts speaking. So we have two examples of teachers who keep silent before they start speaking. And the example here, of course, is that uh, when speaking Krishna Katha, we shouldn't say anything unnecessary. Sometimes it's better to be silent. In the Bhagavad Gita, when, when Krishna speaks about uh, uh, speaking or the austerity of speech, uh, he says that the best kind of speech is uh, short and sweet. So, Rahugana, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Jadabharata and Shukadeva, they both illustrate the importance of when we are formally speaking Krishna Katha, uh, to stay on the topic, to not just uh, uh, give some rambling talk about this and that, like we speak maybe in an ordinary situation, but uh, to keep to the point, to speak sweetly, but also speak what is necessary. And to speak what is necessary is different, of course, in many different situations. So the kind of, of Krishna Katha that a person like Jarabharata is able to give, or a person like, like Shukadeva, is of course on a very different level than that of some Brigupada from Finland. So whatever we're speaking, needs to be in accordance with our understanding and our adhikara or eligibility. That's why I, I mentioned how, how Maharaj uh, pushed me to give this, this class and mentioning that uh, Guru Maharaj thought it would be a good idea. So in this way, I, I felt that I had some eligibility. Uh, these two Maharajas, they thought that I have something to say. So I'm trying to speak according to my understanding. And of course, you need to take me with a big pinch of salt. I'm a middle-aged uh, white man who thinks he knows many things 
and uh, I will be mansplaining for you now how to give give lectures for four lectures. So sometimes maybe I will have something uh, uh, of substance. Then you take that and whatever else, just leave that to the side. But I will try not to overstep the boundaries of my adhikara. I will try not to say things that I haven't found uh, uh, in my own experience uh, to be, be, be working and to be good when giving uh, lectures. So how do we know what our adhikara is? How do we know what our eligibility is when it comes to speaking Krishna Katha? I'll come back to this question a little bit later. But I want to say something more about the Srimad Bhagavatam, and that is that the Srimad Bhagavatam also gives us uh, many other examples of a person speaking uh, philosophy, many times inspiring good examples. Sometimes the Srimad Bhagavatam also gives us examples of how not to speak Krishna Katha. We have a, in our house uh, a weekly Srimad Bhagavatam uh, study meeting. Some, some local devotees we've been meeting for, for a number of years, and we're reading a chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam every, every, every week. And we've reached now the seventh canto. And in, in the last meeting, now a couple of days back, we heard uh, how Hiranyakashipu was consoling uh, his mother and uh, the wife of his brother Hiranyaksha, who had been uh, when Hiranyaksha had been killed by Lord Varaha. So it was a whole fairly long chapter where Hiranyakashipu was preaching to these ladies and to to uh, to a whole group of demons how they shouldn't be sad and how they shouldn't be uh, too much in sorrow over the death of Hiranyaksha. Uh, and it was a very interesting chapter because all the things that Hiranyakashipu said were correct. Maybe with one exception, Vishwanath Chakravarti was pointing out, perhaps one exception. But in general, what uh, Hiranyakashipu was teaching was, was true. Uh, he was talking about the impermanence of the body, how the bodies are brought together, uh, like people meeting in a in a, a restaurant. They come together and they go in different directions. Similarly with relationships, uh, he was telling a story about Yamaraj coming to to uh, the wives of a king who had been killed. Uh, there was a story within the story. It was quite interesting and, and fascinating. And what I found to be the most interesting in that chapter was that uh, Hiranyakashipu, after preaching in this way to his relatives, that they should understand that the hand of God is behind everything and so on and so forth. Really nice preaching. Then all the relatives, they gave up their grief and they went up, went on with their lives. So it seemed like he was a successful preacher. But of course, uh, he himself perhaps gave up his grief, but he certainly didn't give up his anger. So Hiranyakashipu preaching to his relatives illustrates how uh, we can't really give something that we don't have ourselves. Jiva Goswami, when commenting uh, on, uh, on the issue of, of the Guru in the Bhakti Sandarbha, in the 203rd Anucheda of his Bhakti Sandarbha, uh, the next to last part of his, his uh, Shachandarbha, uh, he writes about different types of Gurus. And quoting a Puranic verse, he says that there are basically two kinds of, of speakers, two kinds of teachers. One is a teacher that has uh, attachments, and one is a teacher that is without attachments. The teacher with attached attachment to 
lust, anger, greed, these kind of things. May speak philosophy, but this kind of speech will not make a big impression on the audience. And even if it makes an impression on the audience, it will not make an impression on the speaker herself or himself. So again, uh, who is eligible for speaking Krishna Katha? Hiranyakashipu knew the philosophy, but his personal life wasn't very exemplary. He hated Vishnu. He hated the devatas. He had a very dualistic view of the world. These are my friends. These are my enemies. So Hiranyakashipu is an example in the Srimad Bhagavatam of many different things. But here in this context of, of speaking, he's an example of a teacher who is not free of uh, selfish interest and who is not free from the influence of lust, anger, and greed. Such a person may speak, but the influence will not be very big. So many times it is said that uh, uh, the person who gives a, a class should be a person who knows the philosophy, uh, but who's also sheltered in transcendence. In this connection, Jiva Goswami cites a famous uh, verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the 11th canto. Tasmad gurum prapadyeta jigyasu shreya uttama shabde pare chanishnatam brahman yupa samashrayam. This verse really speaks about the guru, of course. We know this verse. Uh, therefore, one who is interested in, in uh, uh, the ultimate uh, good in life should turn to a guru who is uh, very well acquainted with shabda and para and who is detachedly sheltered in brahman jiva goswami and our other uh, acharyas on commenting on this verse uh, explain that shabda and para refer to the veda and also to uh, to Krishna. There's two Brahmans. There's Shabda Brahman and Parabrahman. The Brahman of words, the Vedic scriptures, and uh, the highest Brahman or Bhagavan, Krishna. So any kind of teacher, whether it is a, a teacher who is, Jiva uh, Goswami uh, calls, a Diksha Guru, initiating teacher, or a Shiksha Guru, or a instructing teacher, or a Shravana Guru, a Guru that one hears from, such as a person who speaks Krishna Katha, speaks on the Bhagavatam and so on, uh, should ideally be a person like this, who has a good understanding of the scriptures, who has a good understanding of Krishna, and who is detachedly sheltered in Brahman. What does that last thing mean? Jigva Swami explains there in the Bhakti Sandarbha Anucheda 202 that it means that this person is detached from the world, is not influenced by uh, the big passions of this world, such as hate, lust, and so on. So this is a very high qualification that uh, uh, is, is required. Or sometimes, uh, Guru Maharaj uh, sometimes said like this, that uh, ideally the speaker of uh, uh, Krishna Katha should be a person who knows the philosophy, but who is also uh, known to have a, a, a Brahminical disposition in the sense of being interested in, in study, being interested in, in learning, and who also uh, has uh, an exemplary life in the sense that this person doesn't speak one thing and then live something completely different. Still, this is a very high uh, requirement. And one that I 
don't think that I can completely fulfill myself, for example. I know something about the philosophy. Uh, you can ask my wife whether my behavior is always very exemplary, and I'm afraid she's going to say no. So uh, who can speak Krishna Katha? Is it only a person like Guru Maharaj? Or uh, Padmana Maharaj? Or uh, some of you very advanced devotees? That would be best. No doubt that would be best. That the very advanced devotees would give Krishna Katha. Because again, uh, only such persons can really make a, a change in our heart. We can hear somebody like, like uh, Brigu speaking, and that might be uh, entertaining perhaps, or, or there might be some, some good points here and there, but it's not really going to change your heart. Nevertheless, uh, I'm still speaking here, and nevertheless, I think that all of us should uh, give lectures, at least sometimes. And this is not something that is different from what Guru Maharaj was just saying. Ideally, pure devotees should be giving class. But this world is seldom an ideal place. We don't always have the opportunity to hearing pure devotees speak. We don't always have the opportunity to, to finding that one type of company. And... Uh, we're also very different. Guru Maharaj sometimes uh, cites some verses from the first chapter of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa that speak about the Guru, and where it is said that uh, uh, a Brahmana Guru should initiate Brahmanas, a Kshatriya Guru should initiate Kshatriyas, a Vaishya Guru should in initiate Vaishya, disciples, and the Shudra Guru should initiate Shudra disciples. Whenever Guru Maharaj speaks about this verse, he always makes the point that this is a material uh, consideration. Nevertheless, he says that it has some uh, uh, applicability to the modern world in the sense that there are different types of people, and they will find themselves attached and attracted to different types of teachers. If we are of a um, artistic sensibility or, or we're interested in art and we're interested in how to express our Krishna consciousness through art, then we might be interested in hearing what persons like uh, Saragrahi or Krishangi or others who are working uh, with art and expressing their, their Krishna consciousness through art are saying. Or if we're interested in... Uh, uh, like how to apply Krishna consciousness to uh, uh, a socially very progressive and active life, then we're probably interested in hearing that kind of devotees speaking. And the thing is, and I think this is a very important thing, uh, all of us here are expert in something. Uh, I know some of you here, there are others that I don't know at all, Govinda Mohini, for example. Uh, I have no idea what you are good at, but I'm 100% sure that there are some things that you are really expert at. And that uh, if I wanted to learn those things, it would be very inspiring to hear from you about that. So when we are given something in Krishna consciousness, uh, we receive those gifts with thankfulness and we also feel we want to share them and we have this experience all of us from the very first time when we got interested in Krishna consciousness somebody told us something about uh, let's say the law of karma and we went around to all of our friends telling them do you know what this karma is that there's this thing that whatever you do you'll get the same result and and it happened to this one guy he was doing this and then a truck crashed into him or whatever, we become very ecstatic and we want to spread whatever we've heard. And what we have heard might be so small like this. Like I remember I was speaking with my friend Kamalaksha 
uh, after uh, Guru Maharaj had been to Finland the first time. And Kamalaksha, after hearing Guru Maharaj's lectures, he, he told to me, I thought I knew the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. But the philosophy of Krishna consciousness is that you're not the body, there's three gunas, you should surrender to a guru, and Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. But he realized there's so much more. But whatever little we have, if we know about the three gunas, or we know about we're not this body and so on, uh, we are called to spread all of that. Again, the ideal situation is that the pure devotee will come and tell about Krishna consciousness to everybody. But there are not that many pure devotees in the world. So we need to step up, all of us, and do our little part. Uh, we, we may not be uh, pure devotees, but whatever little thing we have, uh, we can share. And I think, and I'm a firm believer in this, that uh, uh, we can probably do much more than we think when it comes to speaking Krishna Katha. Uh, sometimes it's said that one of the main uh, fears that people have, apart from uh, the fear of death or the fear of losing a loved one or something like that, is the fear of public speaking. Uh, the fear of having to go in front of a, an audience where everybody is looking at you. What is Namarasana going to say? Is she going to say something stupid? Whatever, what is she going to say? Why does she look like that? Why is she wearing that? We think that they're thinking all of these things. So that can be super scary. But it's, uh, it's an art that uh, we not only can learn, but that we also should learn, to some extent at least. Uh, when I looked at what Prabhupada said about giving class, he also said that uh, he remembered the first time he was asked to give class by one of his senior god brothers, and how nervous he was. He mentioned this in a conversation with some of his disciples, how nervous he was to give his first class. I also remember my first class. I was on, on traveling Sankirtan in, here in Finland with some devotees and uh, the leader of our Sankirtan party, he asked me to give class. Uh, I even remember the verse that I spoke on. It was from the first canto, from the story of, of Narada, one of the, the last verses of, of that sixth chapter of the first canto. And I remember how terrified I was and how I made sure to speak all the proper things, like the uh, in those days, whatever classes, uh, whatever verse it was, the, the class always had to end up with speaking about the importance of, of book distribution. So, so I did my best like that also. Uh, and it was a terrible class. I'm very happy that nobody recorded it and that nobody except myself probably remembers it. Terrible, awkward, lots of, of awkward silences, uh, repetitions, forgotten things, uh, mm, and so on. But then I practiced more and so on. So uh, uh, we may not be by our kind of disposition or our nature, we may not be brahmanas. Again, ideally, but uh, uh, we don't always have the opportunity to live in a in a Varnashrama society. In one way, it's a, it's a very beautiful idea that everybody has their own task, that uh, uh, not everybody needs to do the same work, that if somebody is good at something, let that person do that. If, uh, if um, Annapurna, for example, if she's really good at cooking, I have no idea if, if you are, but just as an example, 
then if she's really good at cooking, then it makes sense to let Annapurna cook instead of having her um, work in the fields or something like that. But uh, we don't, we're not always in such kind of situations like Sakyarati and, and uh, Shamananda, where you're living, I don't think you have a huge devotee congregation there where, where you can think that, okay, this Prabhu, he can take care of that or that, that uh, Didi, she can do that. Many times we find ourselves in situations where we need to kind of become quite independent and learn to do things on our own. Uh, I mentioned this Bhagavatam uh, uh, e evenings that we're having in our, our house in, 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 in Obu in Finland. Nobody told us that we should have this program. We just decided, Saragrahi and I decided, let's start this. So a very kind of natural way of spreading Krishna consciousness is, with, is when devotees themselves decide to start doing things. And when they decide to, to become self-sufficient in a way. Prabhupada sometimes said that every devotee should be able to, to lead kirtan, give class and cook a feast. Now, not all of us need to be expert in all of those things, but we should be able to at least uh, throw together a kichari or, or uh, give a five minute presentation on why Krishna consciousness is a really nice thing because we may be called for that. We may be in a situation where there is no pure devotee or there is no uh, great Brahmana who can give the class. And not only that, not only the need, but it also uh, can give us great satisfaction when we notice that we can do things that we didn't think we could. Uh, when I was a, a small kid, I didn't know what I would be when I grew up. Like some, some children, they know that they're going to be a fireman or an astronaut or something like that. I had no idea what I would be when I grew up. But I knew with 100% certainty what I would never become. And that, of course, was a teacher. So sometimes things end up in a different way than we thought. And even when we kind of find our identity in life, it can still give us great uh, satisfaction to be able to do something completely different. I'm now uh, in the countryside at our, our, our summer house. And uh, uh, here I need to do many kinds of things, not only ring the bell and do puja and, and something like that. Sometimes I need to take the chainsaw and cut down a tree or something like that. And that's totally not my expertise. I'm not at all a big manly man. I'm this uh, little weak uh, wimp uh, excuse of a man. But sometimes when I need to do something like that, uh, it gives me very much uh, satisfaction to see that, yes, I can do that as well if I need to. Of course, if there's an expert here, if my, my cousin who works in the forest all the day, if he, he comes, then he can do everything better. But if I need to do it on myself, I can manage. So the same with giving class. We may not be expert, may not be our best uh, um, ability or our, our, the thing that we are the best at, but to be able to overcome this fear of uh, speaking in public can be something that is very uh, empowering. And I think it's extremely important for us as sadhakas to get these uh, uh, experiences of being empowered. That I'm not just this little brigu here in Finland. Sometimes Krishna is doing things through me. When Shla Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati when he sent his uh, uh, sannyasi preachers to the West, uh, Shla Bhakti Pradeep Tirta Maharaj, Shla Bhakti Ridoi Bon Maharaj, uh, and Sambhidananda Prabhu, when he sent them, the first uh, uh, preachers to the West, uh, 
he sent them off from Bombay uh, and he gave a talk, Lanwa, the, 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 the messenger uh, that was recorded and that is uh, available in, uh, you can read it, for example, in, in Bhaktisiddhanta's book, uh, Sri Chaitanya's Teachings. It's a short talk and it's a beautiful talk where he's, he's really pouring his heart out. And he, say, he begins by saying, it's a happy day for us to be able to, to spread the teachings of Lord Chaitanya to foreign shores. And you can imagine his feelings of, of happiness and triumph that now after hundreds of years of Christian missionaries coming to India, we... Vaishnavas are now sending our missionaries to the West. And he says many beautiful things in that uh, talk. He says, for example, that the preacher should always think of himself uh, as con simply a conductor of the message of Sri Chaitanya. He's the living drum the preacher is the living drum of Krishna Kirtan. Somebody else is playing on him. He's not the, the, the person making the sound. Somebody else is beating him to make the sound come out. Who is this somebody else? Guru and the Vaishnavas. So the preacher is simply the conduct, the, the via medium, repeating in her or his own words, whatever she or he has heard from, of Krishna consciousness from before. And Bhaktisiddhanta in this talk, uh, where he's instructing his disciples how to, to approach people in the West, he's stressing very much uh, one verse, which he says is the essence of all uh, advice for the sadhaka. Those of you who heard uh, uh, Padmana Maharaja's uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava etiquette series will remember probably the, the, the first verse that he started out with. Trinada pisunichena, tarora pisahishnuna, amanina manadina, kirtaniya sadahari. Kirtana can mean many different things. If we look up... Uh, Kirtana in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the kind of uh, basic and, and foundational book on bhakti in our sampradaya. Rupa Goswami doesn't de describe Kirtana as, as uh, giving class or, or speaking Krishna Katha. In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Kirtana refers to, to loudly uh, chanting the, no the glories of Krishna either the, the, the name, the qualities, or the leelas, uchair bhasha, with a loud voice. So singing, congregational singing, that's kirtana. But of course, kirtana can also refer, in a more broad sense, it can refer to spreading uh, the message of Krishna, glorifying Krishna through uh, talks about Krishna. So for this reason, this verse, uh, the third verse of the Shikshastaka is very much applicable to giving class as well. Trinada pisunichena, tarora pisaishuna, amanina manadina kirtaniya sadahari. Mahaprabhu says that we sadhakas, we should make a, a garland, we should make a mala out of this verse, and we should carry it around the neck. Some devotees literally do that by making a, a, these small things hanging from their neck beads with the syllables of this verse. And that's a nice thing. But I think that Mahaprabhu is speaking more metaphorically here. We should always carry this verse around our, our neck. We should let this verse define us as sadhakas. To be more uh, humble than a blade of grass, to be more tolerant than a tree, to always give respect and credit to others and never expect it for yourself. If we are able to embody these principles while speaking Krishna Katha, that will be extremely powerful.
And there are, of course, so many examples of this in our Gaudiya Vaishnava uh, uh, history of teachers who, through embodying these qualities, have been able to uh, make a real impression on their listeners. If we're not embodying these uh, principles, Bhakti uh, Siddhanta Saraswati says in this talk, we will not be able to touch the heart of the listeners. So Trinadapi Sunichena, Tarorapi Sahishna. More humble than a blade of grass, more tolerant than a tree. Always giving respect to others and never expecting respect, uh, expecting respect for ourselves. This is uh, uh, the heart of successful Krishna Katha. And of course, in the upcoming uh, lectures, like I said, I'm going to speak more about the, the practicalities, how to build up the lecture, uh, what things to do, what things to uh, avoid, these kind of details, these kind of, kind of tricks of the trade. But that should always be seen as footnotes to this verse. So that's what I wanted to say today. Any questions or comments? You changed my heart, Brigupad Prabhu. Will you be one of the volunteers, Marha? I would love to try it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I have all I have all the worries that you can imagine, but I don't know if I can because I'm cooking at that time for Maharaj. Mm -hmm. Unless it's later on, maybe I don't know. Yeah. I know the date is later. Yeah, <clears throat> we can see. But I'm just thinking, okay. because, for example, uh, yesterday in uh, in Archana Siddhi's uh, series, when she was speaking with Sumati, I wasn't able to attend, but I listened to it later on uh, today when I was doing some scrubbanam uh, at work, at, at home. Uh, I listened to that talk, and it was such a beautiful and so profound and really, really uh, moving and, and uh, inspiring talk. And, and, and she said that she had been terrified and so worried uh, and, and nervous in advance, but uh, I was so happy that she, she, she gave that, that interview. Because if you haven't heard it yet, then go back and listen to it on the, on the top of your page. It's wonderful. Anything else? can you hear me yeah uh that was a great class uh, it's really nice to hear uh, you know all the theory and stuff i've given just a couple of classes my whole time of being an ashram devotee which is kind of funny but i would i wanted to specifically ask like for this class that you gave today how much did you prep because it seems to flow so naturally and i'm wondering like like how much of it did you know it was going to you want to use these examples and whatnot, and how much of it is just like spontaneous? Well, that's a good question, uh, but but my answer don't take this answer too seriously because uh, if you say you've just given a few classes, I've given lots of classes. Uh, the, the first class I mentioned was in '92, so so it's many classes since then, and I'm giving classes as uh, as my profession as well. So uh, um, I'm, I have experience and experience really helps because you learn then by, by experience how to, for example, build up a class, how to, to go from one thought to another. That's something I, I learned uh, from Guru Maharaj also. He's able to keep in his head like so many threads and he, he can go from one point to another and another and another. And then he comes back always to the main point. Uh, 
so these to do something like that needs you need experience for that so for this class uh i would say that i prepared maybe i was thinking about this class uh, already for for since maharaj asked me but for particularly this class i started thinking about it maybe on monday uh, but then uh, uh, i prepared today i used maybe um, all in all like half an hour to kind of properly prepare by looking reading some things from Prabhupada and Bhaktisiddhanta and so on but then I was thinking about it uh, while driving out here in the, to the countryside and so on so I was kind of in my my mind I was going over it and planning it but I didn't do any notes for example and that I did in the beginning I always made very careful notes and and kind of like a flow chart uh, I, I never found it. Sometimes I, I I write my my talks if I'm going to give a kind of a formal lecture at some university thing. But uh, nowadays I seldom do that. But sometimes I make kind of a flow chart that go from this verse to that, then go from there to this. But I don't need to do that nowadays. Uh, uh, but uh, I wouldn't recommend it to to a beginner not to do that it's much better to to have like proper proper notes and to really prepare but i'm going to go come back to this these kind of things uh, especially the third lecture sounds so, great yeah i want to quickly add that mahara should totally give classes there's so much you know she's done so much sacrifice and surrender so there must be huge gems there hiding Yes, I, I, I'm sure about the same thing. Anything else? Um, um, I would just like to, to say something and maybe you can, I don't know if there is a really point of what I'm going to say, but <laughs> like when I was teenager, you know, I was full of uh, ego, I still have, but in a different way and I had experience to talk like in front of seven eight hundred people and I had no shame at all I was super proud of myself but then during the years like life give me big teachings you know that humbled me in a certain way and now for example I'm I definitely not looking forward to talk in front of seven or eight hundred people and <laughs> and also often we we hear like uh, preachers who are not genuine but still they have a lot of followers so somehow they catch you you before you you mentioned to change the heart if someone is talking about krishna purely but maybe this preacher is just catching their ego or I don't know if you can just elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Uh, thank you. And, and uh, the first thing that you mentioned uh, about yourself, that's also quite interesting because many times we hear the opposite that when I was young, I was so shy, but now, like I used to be super shy, like terribly shy. I would get red if I just opened my, my mouth, I'd get all red in the face. And if I didn't get red, I would be worried that I would get red in the face. So then I got red in the face from worrying about that. So really this kind of nerdy little boy. Uh, but sometimes, of course, it can go in the other direction as well, like you're mentioning. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, in your case, probably this was uh, a good thing because the, it's, it's through wisdom that, that you see that perhaps the things that you, you thought you knew when you were younger, uh, went that kind of solidly there, there wasn't such a solid foundation to it and that of course ties in with your question that uh, uh, yes there are some teachers who can make a, a big impression even even without being very very uh, kind of real and there's plenty of examples of that in in the history of of, of rhetorics and the history of speaking persons like uh, uh like Churchill, for example, if you've heard any of his talks, uh, they're very powerful. 
was a master of, of how to, to speak and how to inspire people. And as a person, he was the worst, like a total racist. He really hated India. He hated Indians. He thought that Gandhi was just a clown and a disgusting beggar. And like the personal plane, a very disgusting person, but very good with words. So uh, uh, a person like that uh, can for some time uh, make an impression on people's egos and, and even uh, get them to, to sacrifice like he did or people like Goebbels or Hitler were able to do. But uh, that's a different thing than uh, speaking uh, uh, spiritually. So a powerful speaker an experienced and charismatic speaker can can uh, get people to do things, uh, but when it comes to spiritual life, then uh, there's something else. At least when we're speaking about uh, the long run, the long haul. Because we can see people like Hiranyakashipu in the Srimad Bhagavatam. He makes uh, uh, Diti and uh, what was the name of Hiranyaksha's wife? Do you remember Saragrahi? Was it something Krausch, Haba, something like that? <laughs> something I like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he managed to convince them for the moment, for a little while. He managed to awaken in them what Prabhupada calls Shmashana Vairagya, or the detachment of the crematorium. Like for a little while afterwards, you feel like, Somebody has died that only I need to become serious now about my life. Life is short and so on. So for a little while, he managed to do it. But then they're kind of falling back into their old habits and their old demoniac nature. So uh, uh, a charismatic person is able to do that. But to make a lasting impression, then you need uh, a pure person. So that would, I hope I answered a little bit what you asked about. Thank you. Anything else? Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what should we strive to like uh, accomplish with giving a lecture? Like when we are not a teacher without attachments? <laughs> that's a good, that's a very good question. Well, many times, uh, it helps to think of yourself as a sevaka, as a servant. Like, uh, uh, I can honestly say that I'm, I would never have chosen to deliver this uh, seminar on my own. Uh, but uh, when I got this order, then I thought, okay, Maharaj wants me to do this. Guru Maharaj says it's a good idea. Uh, and some devotees also said that, oh, this sounds like a good thing. So then I thought, okay, let me speak uh, to serve them, to try my best to serve them. So that's how we should think as, as speakers, that how can I serve these people? How can, if you, let's say you're speaking at some, you're distributing prasadam, and then uh, you get, get the chance to speak a little bit. So how, what can I say that will benefit these people? Instead of thinking, how can I make them think I'm a really wise and uh, great person? But how, what can I say that will, will be a benefit to these people? So that's usually the best, best way to, to kind of approach the task. Thank you. Final question. Okay, thank you all very much. Jai Shishi Guru Gauranga and Rabbi Kikati Dari Shishi Radha Mandamohan Radha Gopinata Radha Gopinata Radha Ramada Radha Shamsundar Radha Ramada Radha Gopinata Radha Mandamohan Radha Gopinata Radha Mandamohan Radha Gopinata Jai Mishnavad, Brahmasapravaja Kacharya Stotra Shatashishimad, Bhakti Vedanta Tripuradi Goswamaraj, Lagurdi Ki Jai Jai, Nitilipravishnam Shnavad, Bhai Charanaravind Bhakti Vedanta Swamaraj, Lagurupad Ki Jai, 
Jaini Tele Pravishnamshan Par Bhaktarakshak Shitadeva Swamaradiki Jai. Jaini Tele Pravishnamshan Par Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Goswamaraj Labrupata Kurki Jai. Jai Gorki Shodas Papati Maharajki Jai. Jai Shatidananda Moita Kurbakti Nodki Jai. Jai Vaishnava Sarvomar Lajaganathas Papati Maharajki Jai. Jai Kodivedanta Chadishla Baladibidibushan Prabhuki Jai. Jai Vishnu Chakrarpita Kurki Jai. Jai Shiva Shamanana Narottam Prabhutraiki Jai Jai Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswamarajiki Jai Jai Vyasavatashi Vrindabandasta Kurmashaiki Jai Jai Shurupanatana Vatrakanata Shi Jivupalapatra Swamanan Shargoswam Prabhuki Jai Jai Namacharishla Haridasta Kurki Jai Jai Rai Ramana Ravi Ramananda Digaur Parshavindiki Jai Jai Premsukosh Krishna Chaitanya Pramanityananda Shirdvaita Gradara Shiva Sishigaur Bhakta Vindiki Jai Jai Shantarvi, my poor Simantarvi, Pantadvi, Poladvi, Pritu, Chanadvi, Matadvi, Mobradundi, Pudramadvi, Prudradvi, Patma Kashri, Navadvi, Damki, Jai. Jai Shishirada, Krishna Gopaku, Gubaradana, Dvadis of Anatmakashi, Vrindavan Damki, Jai. Dvadis of Pavanki, Jai. Jai Radakunda Shamakunda, Ganga, Yamana, Tulsi Bakti, Viki, Jai. Jai Shi Purushottam Damki, Jai. Shri Jaganath, Valadev, Subhadra Sudarshnaki, Jai. 